Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the great Muppet caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we are very happy to have a guest who I am particularly fond of. She was with us last season to talk about Mel Brooks, and now she's back with us again. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Stacy Rosen. Indeed you are. And Stacy wrote our theme song and has contributed to Tough Pigs a number of times. This is true. I also understand you're married to me, is that correct? Last I checked, unless they've changed the laws at all, we're, we're still wed. Good, good to hear. So today we are looking at minutes 29 and 30 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which Beauregard drives out of the hotel lobby causing chaos and destruction, and Kermit prepares for his date with Lady Holiday. Kermit the Frog's got a date with Lady Holiday? That's what I hear. So uh, we start in the lobby with uh, Beauregard making his exit by driving through a different wall than the one that he destroyed uh, by coming in. And um, I actually just noticed for the first time ever that uh, Pops yells out, he's headed for the kitchen. Did you notice no, that? I did not. I, I guess they had to get that done in one take, right? It doesn't seem like the sort of practical effects that they would do over and over again with that destruction. I assume they tried to do it in as few takes as possible because it's definitely a, a real taxi smashing a physical wall. In last week's episode, did you guys speculate about the symbolism of the license plate by any chance? B O six seven six. Well, right. I mean, it seems like B O is a reference to his name Bo, but I don't know about the six seven six. I wondered if it represented June nineteen seventy six in some way. Huh. I mean, the show debuted in September. Maybe they shot the yeah. pilot, you know, or something. Is that when they started filming? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Could be. But how does Beauregard spell his name? It's B-E-A, right? Here's here's what I know. There's a book called Bo Saves the Show, a storybook from the early 80s, and that book is titled B.O. Saves the Show. So somewhere in the production oh, office, they, yeah, they I think were calling they, him Bo, B.O., yeah. They did decide at some point that it was B.O. Bo. Did you guys happen to notice the Bo. sign for the... <laughs> the sign for the Jackson's late for the Jackson's Great Circus Funfair on the wall. No. So I did a little research. I was curious if there was a real Jackson Circus in London. And interestingly enough, I did find something called Jackson's Lane Circus in London since 1975. They have quote been a key cultural and social hub for North London. And I'm wondering if. Uh, that was inspired by real signs that they were seeing in the city, or if it's just totally a coincidence. I have no idea, but that's fascinating. It yeah. could also be a real poster. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, Anthony, you noticed... The poster for the play Balalaika uh, in one of the scenes in the hotel, which was a real which was a real play from the, like from the 30s, yeah. Yeah, so this is probably a real poster, too. That's a good observation. Thanks. Um... So yes, uh, he's he's driving into the kitchen, which is where we now must comment on a glaring continuity error because in the Happiness Hotel song that we heard a few minutes ago, oh, yeah. Pop specifically said, don't try to order dinner. There's no kitchen anymore. But now here it is. It's the kitchen. 
What's going on here? But did it look like a kitchen? Because I remember thinking, I don't see a kitchen. I just see some spaghetti in a pot that he's coming out with. <laughs> well, but but either way, he's, Pop says, don't try to order dinner. And clearly the chef is making a meal of some kind. So you can order dinner, I, w- I would think. Or maybe, at least they serve it. Maybe lunch is safe to eat, but dinner is... But still, the, he did say there's no kitchen anymore. When he, when I'm looking at it now, and you can see when Bo smashes through the wall, there are some pots and pans on a shelf. So like, there's some semblance of a kitchen there. So I don't know why Pops was lying to us. But uh, I don't know. Somebody needs to get to the bottom of this. Pops also says that we're having steering wheel souffle. And the chef is carrying a pot with spaghetti in it. So... Pops yes, that which is not an ingredient of play. Right. So I don't right. think Pops is really trustworthy on this topic. I think this is actually just the right Muppet caper is the sad tale of an old man who is, oh. you know, <laughs> gradually coming down with dementia. Oh, wow. buddy. There's oh. untold depths of Pops we never knew about. Yeah, you should pitch that novel. You should write a... Yeah, I'm thinking about it. He is the guy on The Muppet Show when all these big stars come in. He immediately says, who are you? So See? there might be something to that. <laughs> There's something going on with Pops. This definitely needs to be explored further. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Oh, so I just wanted to mention, we talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, I just like how uh, the, the Muppets who live in the hotel are so sort of just accepting of this crazy, destructive thing that's happening. Uh, Pops just kind of nods and watches, and Janice just keeps on sunbathing and just kind of glances over her shoulder. Um, Even as Kermit is alarmed, Kermit actually says, oh, no. Wait, who's the one who says, again? Is that Janice who said that? It's Janice, yeah. Uh, When the chef comes out with the steering wheel souffle, yeah. Pops says, looks like steering wheel souffle for dinner, and Janice says, again? That's right. Uh, another note, Janice is reading an issue of Rock Scene magazine. She sure is. And uh, our eagle-eyed uh, friend and fellow Muppet nerd, Joe Hennis, figured out a few years ago that she is reading the November 1980 issue of Rock Scene with The Clash on the cover. Yeah. Wow. Was he eagle-eyed enough to make out what the name of the tiny publication Rizzo is reading in that scene? <laughs> is Rizzo reading a magazine? Rizzo is reading a newspaper of sorts. No, I don't think so. <laughs> what would Rizzo be reading? That's the question. Well, I was also thinking, Janice is probably a fan of The Clash, right? You guys, Rizzo is reading the serialized version of The Great Ratsby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. And I, 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 I'm trying to think, but I have to ask, did you come up with that, or is that a Muppet joke from somewhere? I just came up with it as far as I know. I'm sure someone has made that incredibly dumb joke before. But anyway, That's a good one. Wait, didn't I do a Grover Great Gatsby cover for a Tough Pigs contest? Yes, your submission to a Tough Pigs Grover contest was the Great Grovesby. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Pretty great. Yes. <laughs> Well, actually, I wanted to say about Beauregard before we move on too far. Um, Kermit previously told him to do to Kermit previously told him to do a U-turn, and of course he doesn't do a U-turn. He drives straight and never comes back. And uh, earlier, when he was when he was taking them to the hotel, Kermit tells him to go straight, and he does a U-turn. And I love that 
Beauregard thinks that going straight and U-turns are opposite of what they are, but still gets where he's going. Like, <laughs> so good. Yeah, well, he must have. He must cause a lot of damage, but that is a, a little thing that I don't know that I necessarily noticed the first few times I saw the movie. I just was thinking he was a really bad driver, but yes, every time he hears go straight, he does a U-turn and vice versa, which is pretty funny. Well, in all fairness, and I really hope she doesn't listen to this show, I'm pretty sure she doesn't, but I have a friend, and I was visiting her in another city last summer, and she would get confused between left and right. When I would tell her, when I was navigating, I would say, go left, she would go right, and when I said right, she would go left. And, you know, generally speaking, I think she knows the difference between these things, Hmm. but maybe something happens when you're under pressure and you're behind that wheel. Did she go to Beauregard Driving School? (laughs) She may have, actually. I should... I should uh, research further. you got to tell her to hold out her thumb and forefinger, and the one that looks like an L is the left hand. i got to tell you, that's what she eventually started doing. There you go. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's the way. I had yeah. no idea. Something interesting from the July 22nd, 1980 draft of the screenplay. That's my birthday. Is, that is your birthday. It's a year after you, I was born. A year before oh, you were 1980? Yeah. Oh, I, I know when I was born. I promise I do. <laughs> yes, this draft is on... Stacy's would-be birthday. Uh, so when the Swedish chef comes out in that draft, uh, holding the pot with the steering wheel in it, his dialogue is actually scripted. And it says, Ole Jurman Turnston Furman Morgan Hurt. <laughs> Which makes me wonder how often they actually spell out his dialogue like that. Because I would yeah. think and assume that Jim Henson and now Bill Beretta just like usually makes it up. Right, but, I mean, obviously there's things like De Flim is Okie Dokie, or whatever. You know, in the in the Muppet movie. Oh, is there continuity with his language? No, I just mean, I like, doubt th- it. there are times where he's clearly saying something that relates to the plot, right? Like, right. When he needs think, to refer to something specific. Yeah, and I would think that some of those are scripted, but, yeah, like, during his segments on the Muppet show or whatever, I, I would guess it was just kind of like... Say some stuff about chickens, you know? Yeah, I don't know what Ole Jorman, Turnstone, Furman, Morgan Hurt uh, has to do with the specific scene. It could also just be that's what the chef's dialogue looks like in the script. Like, that's the stand-in. Yeah, right, and then Jim just kind of riffs on it. That's like how it says annoyed grunt for Homer Simpson saying, don't, right? In the script it says annoyed grunt. True. That's how it all started. So uh, Kermit, though, does not need any of that lousy steering wheel souffle because he is going out to dinner. And this leads us to uh, where Fozzie whispers to Pops that Kermit has a date with Lady Holiday. And within seconds, everyone in the hotel knows about it and everybody's talking about it. Yeah, that's a pretty jerk thing to do. It's Pops' fault. Well, it's Pops' fault, but it's also Fozzie's fault. I'd say it's more Fozzie's fault. Right, Fozzie is the one who, who says it first. We've just established that Pops is a senile old man. And Fozzie's like, hey, I gotta tell you a secret for unknown reasons. That's true. It's just pretty jerky. He, like, not a few seconds before said, don't tell anybody. Right, and then Fozzie just immediately tells the next person he sees. To be fair, that just happened on an episode of Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Where... It did. It did. John told Sansa some really important information and said, don't tell anybody else. And then she immediately turned and seemingly told Tyrion. So 
For those of you Game of Thrones watchers, you know what I'm talking about. And, and now everyone will know what week we're recording this. Oh, yeah, that was, you know, way back when... That you guys, on. it's it's okay, though, because by the time this comes out, everyone in the finale will know that Tyrion's dead, Jon Snow is dead, Sansa's dead. Doesn't matter. None of it matters. They're all dead. None of it matters. And that Pops is the king of the Iron... Whoa! <laughs> he sits on the Iron Throne, king of the Seven Kingdoms. That's obviously what they were leading to this whole time. That's a weird... Hey, that's... at the 52 second mark, in the background, is that the snowman from Muppet Family Christmas that we can see, like, all the way in the back of the hall? I would very much doubt that that puppet this existed. Is this Family Christmas? This is, yeah, this is, this is six years earlier. So I would think that that puppet oh, was so built is, for that. Isn't that a snowman I see, though? Do you see what I'm talking about, Ryan? I don't... At 52 seconds. I don't think the snowman had been built yet. Do you um, see what I see in the back? Do you see what I see? There's... <laughs> do you want to see a snowman? We're gonna... <laughs> We're gonna cut out some of this, but let's see if we can... I think it might be a member of the Jug Band. Alright, it might be a Jug Band member. But there are a lot of Muppets in this scene all over the place, so... Did anybody else find it, like... Wait, let me just clarify. Lady Holiday is a fashion designer, correct? Yes. Okay. Can you guys name any famous fashion designers? Donna Karen. Okay. Uh, What's his name? Calvin Tommy Hilfiger... Ralph Lauren. Okay. All right. That's fair. Kenneth Cole. Isn't there something a little bit objectifying about the way they all react and go, all right. Like, to me, it seems like this is not about the fact that this is a fashion designer. To me, it feels like they're commenting on, like, how attractive she is. Am I reading into this? No, I can see. Well, I never thought of it that way. you're You're talking about, like, when the band comes out? And every, well, yeah, when after every but after Pops yells that he's dating, going on a date with Lady Holiday, and everyone comes out and says Lady Holiday, and yeah, Doctor Teeth is like all right, and like opens his eyes all excitedly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, his eyes. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely can see that. I also think that it could just be like, oh, Kermit's got a date. Look, look, look at Mister going on a date over here. That's what I thought because okay. it's like. When I was in high school and I had a date and my little brother and little sister would be like, ooh, Ryan's got a date, that kind of thing. So you think maybe the people reacting don't even know who Lady Holiday is? They're just repeating what they've heard? Well, it's funny that you bring that up about her being attractive because we know at this point in the movie that Kermit does not actually know what Lady Holiday looks like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think she's a pig. Right, right. Right. Well, and also, on that topic... The Janice says, wait till I tell the guys in the band, right? And then the band members all come out, except for Animal, the horniest member of the Electric Mayhem, does not come out to talk about this. And that seems like an oversight. Right, well, he's there, he though. Does, he does. He pops out. No, he pops out through the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, he does? Okay. Notes. Was that hole already there, or was that hole caused from the car crash? I, that might just be the hole that Animal pops his head out of sometimes. Yeah. Maybe that's his room right above there, so he just likes to pop his head out and see what's going on in the lobby. I mean, that does sound <laughs> like him. I, I I also like that the Swedish chef clarifies to them that Kermit's got a date with Lady Holiday. Like, the guys Wait, all come... what does he say? Janice says, wait till I tell the guys in the band. 
And then Floyd, they pop out. Floyd says, tell us what. And then Chef is like, Rundi, 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 Lady Holiday, or whatever. Like, the Swedish oh, yeah. chef yeah. is the one who actually tells the band that Kermit has a date. It's not Janice. It's not anyone who speaks English. Right. Right. It's the Swedish chef. That's such a great uh, go-to comedy device for the Muppets, where, like, they can always just use the Swedish chef spouting off his nonsense for a, a guaranteed laugh. Right. Works um, for me. We also have uh, Kermit... Uh, oh, so Fozzie assures Kermit that the news will not leave this room. And then the newsman rushes in with a Muppet news flash. <laughs> Kermit to date Lady Holiday. Details at 11. Which, who is who is the audience for such a thing? Yes, exactly. So presumably the newsman is broadcasting the news from this rundown hotel. And now he has interrupted his regular programming to tell his listeners that some guy they've never heard of is going on a date. Wonderful. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yes. And also, it uh, allows the newsman to be in this movie. Yeah, which is his only speaking part in a film. I guess he's in Muppets and Most Wanted, like Steve Whitmire plays him or whatever, but it's the only time Jim Henson played in him. he's in The movie. Muppets, isn't he? Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's, like, so. he's like, uh, Tex Richmond, uh, here's some exposition, because we forgot to write the end of our screenplay. Right. It's something about the when the power goes out or something. Yeah. He shows up and says... Shows, shows how uh, well this, we know that movie. He, he shows up and says, Here is a Muppet News Flash. This movie is a mess. And then he leaves. <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, in the Stacy's birthday draft of the screenplay, <laughs> there's a line where Kermit says, Might as well telegraph it all over the world. And then Beaker starts meeping like a telegraph doing... Oh, is that what happens? Oh, that's pretty funny. Draft, oh, I the wish they kept that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that is funny. And I can kind of picture exactly what that would look like with Beaker. So, uh, any other thoughts about this scene before we move on to the hotel room? Stacy? I will start with you. Uh, nothing before we move on. All right. Anthony? Um, after the newsman comes out and says his 11 o'clock, he's going to give an update at 11, Kermit does his classic, like, disgusted face that usually is only reserved for when Grover is trying to sell him things. That, like, you know, turns down his mouth and just kind of looks, like, embarrassed to be near this person. I feel like we don't see that on, uh, on like, Muppet Show Kermit all that much. I, I, I associate it with Grover the Salesman, for, for whatever reason. Anyway, na- na- yeah, nice to see Yeah, maybe we don't see it as often. Yeah, and it's always good to see Kermit make a scrunchy face. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yes, then we cut to... Uh, the character's hotel room, where Gonzo is taking photos of pigeons. Are the pigeons and real? Those are real pigeons. They're those are real pigeons. pigeons. I thought yeah. so. And he says, uh, he, he says local poultry, which I guess is accurate, although I don't really think of pigeons as being poultry. But what? But is is poultry a code word? Like, is poultry? Does that just mean that Gonzo is attracted to them? Right. <laughs> Is that the word? And that's he uses why he's for... taking the pictures of them. Yeah, is, but like, is poultry the word he uses for any bird that he finds attractive? It's like uh, I'm trying to think of like some equivalent slang word for like a an attractive, like in Clueless when they talk about Betty's. Betty's that what it was? Oh, guys are Baldwin's. He's such a Baldwin. Right, but the Betty's were the attractive uh, women in Clueless. Women, yes. Yeah. yeah, so but, that's like poultry to Gonzo. But Baldwin did not date well. It did not. It has not aged as much as as well as some of the slang in that film. I don't know. I think Alec Baldwin is still pretty attractive. Yeah, but like Stephen, Daniel, 
any of the others? Like, <laughs> it seems it seems to me like there are the there are like all these handsome brothers, and I don't think there are. You would fit in with this handsome family. Well, Polly Shore was definitely the more attractive actor in Biodoom. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about but that I, more. But I more 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 on that at eleven. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll talk about that more when we do Biodome Minute. <laughs> That's going to be good. I like William Atherton a lot, so I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kermit is shaving, and he's actually humming the song that he's about to start singing, which is a nice little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, I like uh, that. He's, he's foreshadowing while shaving his five o'clock shadow. How about that? Ooh. Um, Fozzie is brushing his face, which yes. makes me think of comb your face. Comb your, comb your oh, fur, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fozzie is, yeah, comb your face being a a song from Sesame Street, sung by a monster and written by Joe, Joe Raposo, Raposo, right? Joe yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. all connected. It's all connected. I so love maybe, that song. Maybe it really is a reference. Maybe they threw it in there. I mean, Jim Henson probably knows what comb your face is. Yes, I couldn't tell you for sure when that song is from, but could be. Uh, the reason Fozzie is coming, or <laughs> the reason Fozzie is brushing his face is that he thinks he's going on the date with Lady Holiday with Kermit. And he says, we're going to have ourselves a time tonight. Waka waka. And that is a rare instance of Fozzie using waka waka not to punctuate a joke. It's just for emphasis. It's, it's just how he talks, like on Muppet Babies. Yeah, pretty much. So when he, when Kermit breaks it to him that he's not coming, there's a violin cue. And I so badly want, like, the lights to go down, a spotlight to go on Fozzie, and for him to sing, like, a Mr. Cellophane-esque song <laughs> about how, you know. Which is, which is funny. Like a sad song about how it's never him. Uh, you, speaking of which, when Joe Hennes and I couple years ago did a fan casting series of the Muppet movies we cast John C. Riley as Fozzie in the Muppet movie so no way <laughs> oh my gosh I think I might need to write this song I'm gonna write this Fozzie I think, song I think you yeah. should do it I think you should do it <laughs> but speak, speaking of Fozzie being a sad sack he in the very in the previous scene he told everyone that Kermit had a date he knows that Kermit and not him has a date. Like what happened right. when they got up? Maybe he doesn't know how the... dates work. Yeah, like like that's the thing is maybe and neither he, of them. In fairness, has... if he's been reading a lot of old like Victorian novels, yeah. or he might think that you know a chaperone goes on a date. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but also, it's possible that just neither of them has ever been on a date before, right? Like this is the first one <laughs> for either of them. So more likely. Yeah. Who knows? Although I, I do I do enjoy the idea of Fozzie reading Victorian novels. <laughs> I, I was gonna say though, it, it does seem like it would be appropriate for Fozzie to have a, a song in a Muppet thing where he sort of sings about being the like the third, third wheel. The third wheel me. Kermit's always with Piggy and Fozzie wants to have the spotlight on the stage, but he doesn't always get it. So yeah, they should write that song. Well, when we write our really sad Muppet musical yes. about Pops and his decline into the mental abyss, we'll also include a song with Fozzie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, do it. Uh, in the tradition of the cheapest M Muppet movie ever made script, we'll call it the saddest Muppet movie ever made. There you go. 
It's going to be good. I'm excited. Even though they already made that. So, uh, it was called The Muppets 2011. Anyway, go on. Go on. Ooh. <laughs> At the end of this clip, Kermit continues shaving. He says, I wish I had whiskers. Of course. And that's where it ends. It's, so, what's what's we'll the punchline? Next week to find out the rest of that line. Yeah. yeah this is the setup. So you have to come back next week for the punchline. So, uh, any other thoughts before we wrap up here? I will start with you, Stacey. Um, well, I'm curious if you guys have already talked at length about uh, Fozzie's press hat. Have you talked about it at all? A little bit. I'm just curious about like the origin of that. I associate that hat with Peter Brady when he decides <laughs> to write for, I think, the school newspaper. He starts a newspaper. He has that exact same press hat with huh. the word press on it. Where did that start? Maybe, okay, so here's my theory. Hear me out. Peter Brady and Fozzie Bear both met Vincent Price while on vacation. (laughs) So, maybe Vincent Price gave them both the same hat. (laughs) You made that connection very quickly. That's what I'm like. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, I guess presumably there was a time when reporters would go to press conferences and things and they would have to have this little card to stick in their hat so they could get in. I, I, it must be based on something real. Yeah, or something that was just in movies a lot in the 1930s. Yeah, that definitely happened where people like think real life is supposed to be the way it was in a movie. Yeah, it could be. It seems like something that would be easy to, uh, to counterfeit that way. Like, just... Type the word press on a card and stick it in your hat and you can sneak into, you know, at the White House or something. Why don't we go to the Met Gala? <laughs> That's just, what we'll do next year. With the press hat, yeah. Yeah, yeah do it next time. We will. Uh, um, Anthony, any other thoughts? Yeah, actually, I just wanted to talk about how good some of, specifically Jim Henson's subtle puppetry is in this scene. Um, when Fozzie starts telling Pops about Kermit's date, Kermit kind of stops and gets this very shocked look on his face. And it's just like his mouth is very slightly open. Jim's knuckle moves like a little bit behind his nose to kind of show like a slight tremble of shock. A, l- a little, like, it's all very slight. It's like Kermit just kind of stops in his tracks because Fozzie's doing something dumb. And the look on his, again, really expressionless face, like tells you so much about how Kermit is reacting to it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of detect that he's just very quietly sighing with exasperation, even though he's not actually sighing. Right, right. It's great. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Jim Henson was a pretty good puppeteer. (laughs) Yes. So if that's all we have, we can wrap things up. Listeners, please remember to check out toughpigs.com on the internet, also on Facebook, Twitter, and all of those things. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Stacy, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I actually just had my one-year Twitterversary, all thanks to Tough Pigs and Muppetational May Congratulations. Uh, promo. So if you'd like to see me uh, make complaints to companies and occasionally say witty things, you can find me on Twitter at Stacy said what? That's Stacy with an I. Everyone should seek that out. And if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Tell all your friends about the show. 
and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye! Goodbye! Bye. Again? <laughs>